Hi there, welcome back. I might lose one of my TikTok accounts. Said I had hateful, hateful speech and conduct. I think my mistake was I um, posted, you know, like copy, I paste a whole bunch of writing. I shouldn't have done that. I should just just put FYP viral, voila, enjoy. You know, and then they can't nail me on hate speech. So all the Trump humpers are doing. Anyway, so let's see what's going on. Michael Popak updated today. See, Trump walks right into Jack Smith's brilliant trap. Sounds great to me. Michael Popak. Two major events happened in the last 48 hours. One, Donald Trump got a target letter from Jack Smith saying that he is the target of a criminal investigation in the District of Columbia. They didn't say for what, but we know it's the Jan 6th interference, insurrection, uh, seditious conspiracy, fake electors, cling to power, toppling of democracy criminal scheme, we know it's that, and he's been invited Donald Trump to go and testify before the grand jury, spoiler alert, he won't be doing that. Why did that come out on Sunday, although we just heard about it today, because the Department of Justice doesn't hold press conferences, doesn't send out press releases when they send somebody a target letter, but the target did. Donald Trump told the world in social media, but he waited till today because he had to get his mind around it or his lawyers had to figure out strategy. And so he announced today how shameful it was, terrible day in America, blah, blah, blah. That was event number one. Event number two, hearing, and they're linked, in Fort Pierce in the Alto Lee um, Abrams Sr. Courthouse in Fort Pierce. Judge Cannon presiding. What was the topic? When will the trial be of the Mar-a-Lago indictment that came out of the West Palm Beach slash Miami grand jury just uh, a month or so ago? When's that going to be? Why are those two things linked? Let me tell you how they're linked, and then I'll tell you what happened in the courtroom or what we believe happened and when we can expect a ruling on the trial date, which everybody's on pins and needles about. Jack Smith is a master craftsman, master strategist, and he's playing five-dimensional chess while Donald Trump's playing like Parcheesi or checkers, okay? How do I know that? Because he, Jack Smith could have sent that target letter telling Donald Trump we're about to indict you, which is what the target letter means. It means he's going to be indicted either end of this week or beginning of next week, more likely Thursday or Friday of this week, with an arrest, surrender, arraignment on Monday or Tuesday next week. That's how it happened in Manhattan when he got indicted there. That's how it happened in Mar-a-Lago. That's how it's going to happen in the District of Columbia. So... He knows Jack Smith and his team, they know they've got a big hearing in front of a judge they don't really trust that much. That she's always going to do the Get right rid things. Of her. She's a little bit over her skis, whether you think she's MAGA or you think she's just not sophisticated enough for a case of this magnitude or a combination of those. Jack Smith's team has got a jaundiced eye, I'm sure, when they look at Judge Cannon and all of her conduct and behavior, given that she tried to throw sand in the gears of the criminal investigation back last summer 
when Donald Trump went running to her, got, a, got you know, she was assigned to the case and she stopped or interfered improperly with the search warrant process at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, so and then, of course, she was slapped back hard chance. by her bosses at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals Ruin City in Atlanta. Case. Now, having said all of that, that's the, the judge that the lawyers are now going to appear in front of. In fact, this is like the first time they've appeared in front of her, you know, since the Mar-a-Lago indictment was filed. Right. And, you know, they didn't have a lot much contact with her except in those hearings related to the search warrant. So here we go. Trial setting. Briefs have already been filed. Um, the judge, how we got here uh, is that the judge set a trial date, at least in wet cement of August. Said 70 days. Let's go. Speedy Trial Act. I got to set a trial date. That's my obligation as a federal judge. The uh, Congress told me to do that in the Speedy Trial Act. It's it's the way that our Sixth Amendment right to a fair jury trial and due process is preserved. And I did it there. It's this, it's August. What does everybody say? And the government said, yeah, we like where your heads out, Judge. But in their filing, the, the uh, Jack Smith's team and, and Jay Pratt, who's leading, said, how about December? Because we've got um, national security documents, top secret classified documents. That's going to take a month or so to get everybody their security clearances and then using the documents. Why don't we just bring, why don't we just get another few months in there and move from July to December? Donald Trump took that because if you give him a finger, he takes an entire republic. He took that to mean, oh, the government's fine with a delay. Why don't we have an indefinite delay? Well, how about never, Judge? I just looked at my calendar, and never would be really good for me. Or some indefinite date that you don't even set. Even though that's completely against the law of the Speedy Trial Act and the jurisprudence of the Supreme Court around it, they were like, leave it open. We'll figure it out later. We'll file motions. We'll have coffee sometime, Judge. Give us a call. <laughs> the judge said, yeah, all right, let's have a hearing. And then, of course, the Department of Justice had one more brief that they could file, which they did, in which they said, I don't know what law school, this is my paraphrase, I don't know what law school Donald Trump's lawyers went to, but they obviously were missing in action the day they taught the Speedy Trial Act and the Sixth Amendment. You have to set a trial date, Judge. And it can't be so far out into the future that it, be, it becomes no justice at all. Because the public is a stakeholder in this whole process. The public has the right to see justice done transparently in public in a short amount of time. And the other rationale and public policy behind the Speedy Trial Act is to get the defendant to trial so he can either clear his name or go to jail. And so he doesn't do any more crimes in the meantime. That sounds like a, given Trump, that sounds like a very good rationale. Today was the hearing. Knowing that today was the hearing, the, the Jack Smith team did a very, very smart thing. They sent the target letter to Donald Trump and, and effectively to the judge on, sun, on Sunday. They knew Donald Trump. They were banking on Donald Trump, posting it on his social media. And right on cue, he did. I'm sure the delay between Sunday and Tuesday was Donald Trump's team trying to figure out whether that was in there. Were they advantaged by that or disadvantaged by that at today's hearing in front of Judge Cannon? Because they knew the Department of Justice wasn't going to reveal it. But reporters started snooping around because, you know, reporters are good at their job. And so they were worried that it was going to leak through the press. So they'd rather at that moment... Donald Trump get on social media and say some crazy stuff about the prosecutor, which he did. But I think they were thinking about burying the story until after Tuesday's hearing. But Jack Smith knew that Donald Trump or the reporters were going to have to surface it. And that would be, you know, that was, you know, 
that was postmarked and written directly to the judge, telling her the following as a shot across the bow, stop effing around with the Department of Justice and do your job as a federal judge. If you don't do your job as a federal judge the right way here, supervised by your appellate bosses at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, we got another federal judge with a bigger, more complicated case involving Gen 6, insurrection, seditious conspiracy, and all of that, that we, that we are filing this week. So you're not even the only federal judge this week that's going to be talking about defendant Donald Trump. We got, we'll have two. And one of them is going to be in the District of Columbia. And as mixed bag as South Florida will be in picking a jury for Donald Trump, because there's a fair amount of Trumpers down there, having lived in South Florida for 20 years, I will tell you. Um, and, and, the, and the more, the, the, there's an old joke that applies to jury selection in federal court in Florida. The more north you go in Florida, the more south you are. Understand? The more south you go, it's more New Yorkers and people from around the country, Midwesterners, and so it trends more Democratic, except in the reddest, most red section of Miami-Dade County. But the more north you go in Florida, the more south you are. It's really South Georgia, which is Trump country. And so Fort Pierce, which is in the northern interlands of the uh, Southern District of Florida, as far away from Miami, emotionally, mentally, and, 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 and logistically as it was possible. That's where that jury's coming from. So this is the, the Jack Smith saying to, and banking on Donald Trump doing what he did, which is revealing it before Tuesday, because that's part of the, that had to happen. That's part of the plan, right? We give him the target letter, we leave it to Donald Trump and tell the world, including Judge Cannon. Now Judge Cannon knows that one, the whole weight of the world is not on her shoulders, right? Okay, she's not Atlas, you know, with, with the Earth on her back, the world on her back. Okay, there's another federal judge who's got a bigger, harder case in a much more friendly Department of Justice jurisdiction, the District of Columbia, home court advantage, if you will, against Donald Trump the same week. And so that they hope, I imagine, would put a steel rod you know, up her black robe and give her some gumption and some, you know what, some brass to, to, to um, handle that hearing appropriately and set that trial date because they want, the Department of Justice wants a hard trial date and not that far away. So the battle in court today that's been reported is over the judge agreeing with both parties that August wasn't going to work her original date and also agreeing with Trump and his lawyers, Kais and, and um, Blanche, that uh, December is a little too tight too, December 2023, which is the date suggested by the Department of Justice. But she also equally, if, if you can read body language and tea leaves, she also equally believed that the date proposed by Donald Trump which when, when push came to shove and she put their feet to the fire, they stopped saying indefinitely postponed because the Speedy Trial Act says that they have to set a date. And they started to say, well, at least after voting for the presidency in November of 2024, they argued, but they didn't seem to get a receptive audience with Cannon. They argued 
that it would be almost impossible to pick a fair jury during, let's say, primary season. Primary, for those that follow Legal AF and the Midas Touch Network, you're really talking about January 2024 is when the primaries start, right? The trial that's going to already be with Donald Trump up in New York that he's agreed to is March of 2024 for those 34 count state court case Stormy Daniels based for business record fraud related to the hush money cover up payments. That's in March, first primary Republican January. So they they are already and then there's another trial. <laughs> there's a trial in October of the end of the at, you know at the beginning of the fall on the 250 million dollar civil fraud case up in New York against Donald Trump and everybody but Ivanka, apparently. And um, so you got that October, you then got the March, and they're trying to slot this one. But the judge doesn't seem to be buying, pushing it out from March 2024, like beyond November, when he loses the presidency or loses the election of Joe Biden or something like that. And she doesn't seem to be buying the argument that during that period between you know, January and November, which is the heart of primary season and the election cycle, that, that we can't pick a fair trial, a fair jury against Donald Trump in Florida. So if I was a betting man, knowing that March 2024 is the date of the New York criminal trial, and then he's got the E. Jean Carroll second trial. It's also going on up in New York. But let's just use the criminal trials first. Putting aside Fawny Willis likely indicting in the next four weeks in Georgia. Let's put that aside. Let's just talk federal trial calendar for Donald Trump, Trump on trial, right? So if that's March and the judge thinks December is too early, but November of 2024 is too late, then I think she's going to try to pick late spring 2024, early summer 2024. And that's, that, that probably is going to work terrible for Donald Trump because in the middle of, yeah, look, he's going to wrap up the nomination. You know, if just MAGA vote for him, it's enough to coalesce around him to make him the Republican nominee. The primaries are not that, you know, important to him. I mean, he wants to do rallies everywhere, but so I would think that somewhere in April, May, or June of 2024 is going to be the Mar-a-Lago criminal trial for Donald Trump. So that would slot nicely from March 2024, New York State criminal trial, you know, uh, three months later, Mar-a-Lago federal criminal trial, right? And then Jack Smith, of course, gets the indictment this week against um, Donald Trump related to Jan 6th, and that gets slotted by a whole nother judge sitting in the District of Columbia, and he and that person tries to slot it somewhere. Well, I see you're busy, Mr. Trump, in March, and I see you're tied up in May. You know, how's your, uh, you know, I don't know, January, or how's your July? Because I think all these federal judges are going to try to put these trials before people have to vote in the general election. Could be wrong, but I think that's where they're going to try to go. And if she pushes it too far out, it's going to be difficult but not impossible for the Department of Justice to appeal Judge Cannon because judges are allowed to set their own trial dockets and, and 
appellate courts kind of stay out of the way on that one. So we're going to have to just sit back a little bit and bite our fingernails to see what she rules. Uh, this ruling is going to come soon. If it comes by the time this hot take is ready to be posted on Midas Touch Network, I'll do an update clip to tell you the result. Otherwise, we're going to speculate that the ruling is going to put it somewhere bef way before November of 2024 and the actual election somewhere in the spring or summer of 2024. And we'll update it as we get new information. But that's the reason that target letter came out. And that was the reason the Department of Justice banked on Donald Trump's big mouth that he would reveal the fact that he got the target letter to send a signal to Eileen Cannon, the judge, before today's hearing, right, that she better do the right thing when it comes to setting a trial date, because she's not going to be the only federal judge or the only venue for a, cr for a criminal case against Donald Trump. She's not even going to be that this week. There's going to be two, because that indictment is coming this week for an unsealing next week, as we predicted on Legal AF, only on the Midas Touch Network. You can follow me on hot takes just like this one. Go to the Midas Touch Network. Free subscribe on YouTube. It's free. Go over to Playlists. Click, 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 three tabs over or so, and find Michael Popak. You'll find all my playlists there. And then I co-anchor and co-founded the leading U.S. law and politics podcast on the Midas Touch Network called Legal AF. And you can follow me on all things social media, including threads at MS Popak. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. The sound you hear is likely the sound of Jack Smith going in to Merrick Garland with a, a prosecution memo to recommend the indictment again of Donald Trump, his arrest and his arraignment. And how do I know that? Because work has basically stopped in terms of witnesses going into the grand jury in the District of Columbia. And at least one of those grand juries is investigating, of course, whether to indict Donald Trump related to his interference with the election process, including the use of fake electors, the pressure campaign on Mike Pence, and other parts of that conspiracy to cling to power and stop the peaceful transfer. And the other factor that indicates to me that it is likely that we're going to get an indictment from Jack Smith as early as this week, if not next week, Tomorrow. is the fact that an entity, an organization of former prosecutors called Just Security, led by Dania Perry and Norm Eisen, as I reported a couple of months ago, just issued their updated model prosecution memo, which is their best estimate of what a prosecution memo that Jack Smith would use to go to Merrick Garland to get the permission to indict what it would look like. And they were so right the last time that when they issued this proposed model prosecution memo, attention, Jack Smith, here you go. Here's six prosecutors with their background looking at all the evidence that you have already and in giving you an outline within days of that, the days of that model prosecution memo going public, we got the indictment in Mar-a-Lago. So similarly here, 
I believe that the fact that they've now updated the special prosecution memo or the prosecution memo and laid out their case for why Jack Smith should peel away all, all layers of the onion and go after Donald Trump right now for the fake elector scheme, the use of the fake electors, and in addition to that, the pressure campaign on, on Mike Pence, put aside for a moment but aside for a moment, his efforts to weaponize the Department of Justice, right, and use uh, uh, others like Jeffrey Clark to go after uh, elected officials and um, election bodies and focus narrowly on the use of the fake electors, the phone calls that were made in Georgia, the pressure campaign, and the and a limited number of actors, many of whom are likely already cooperating and are cooperating with the Department of Justice. Do that, and the Just Security's recommendation to Jack Smith, of course, is that for the interest of justice and for the public and the voting public, bring these indictments this summer as quickly as possible, meaning in the next 30 days. I again believe that it's more likely the indictments will come out this week or next week, and I'll tell you why, and why Just Security believes that as well. In their memo called Trump on Trial, they lay out all of the schemes um, that relate to the clinging to power by Donald Trump, where he knew or should have known that he had lost the election and that the big lie that he was using to undermine the integrity of the election in the people's minds, which started before the election, before the election, they were, go they were never going to recognize Joe Biden as the true victor, right? And this started in months before the election. That, combined with, of course, the information that Donald Trump got after the election, that he bought and paid for from consultants who told him to his face that none of his fraudulent themes or theories were true. You put all that together and you have corrupt intent. You have willful criminal mind, which is what's required to turn this into a crime against Donald Trump. That's the mens rea element of a crime that's required. But there's an overwhelming amount of evidence, as Just Security in their memo outlines, against Donald Trump to defeat any defense that he was just doing this in good faith, good faith objecting to the election, just like any losing candidate. He went beyond that. He went that he went beyond that and went into a desperate plea to cling to power, stop the peaceful transfer, and uh, almost declare martial law suspend the Constitution and seize voting machines. Now, some people tuning in here on on uh, the Midas Touch Network might be thinking I'm describing some third world country, right, and some dictator overthrow. I'm not. I'm describing Donald Trump and his henchmen and how they almost toppled democracy in America. Back to the joint security uh, organization's proposed prosecution memo, which again, they were almost... 100% right the last time they did this, which led us to Mar-a-Lago. And what their focus is on new evidence that has been developed, we know, by Jack Smith since the Jan 6 committee met. Jan 6 committee did an amazing job of pulling together, after months of work, lots of evidence, lots of witnesses, and pulling it together to the American people in you know eight or nine different hearings or presentations focused on the different um, links in the chain, the, the, the different steps that were used by Donald Trump to cling to power, 
right? Starting with he knew he lost the election and then trying to use fake electors, a pressure campaign against Mike Pence, weaponizing the Department of Justice, trying to replace his, his acting um, attorney general with somebody that was one of his henchmen that was willing to help him cling to power. And then when all that else failed, lit the match for the insurrection to try to storm the Capitol and stop the peaceful transfer of power. Um, uh, for all of that. But their focus in the prosecution memo is on a series of new witnesses and new evidence that they know has come out, and particularly focused on Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows, both of which we know are cooperating. So you've got, since Jan 6, this is what, uh, for those that wonder what Jack Smith's team has been doing in less than a year, he's been getting people uh, willingly or unwillingly be compelled to testify before the grand jury. Rudy Giuliani, stripped of attorney-client privilege. Um, uh, Mike Pence, stripped of most of his immunity privilege from testifying. Mark Meadows, full cooperation mode. Full cooperation mode. And he was involved with every major step in the desperate attempt to cling to power and overthrow our country. Mark Meadows. Pat Cipollone, White House counsel testified, both to the Jan 6 committee and to Jack Smith's committee, stripped of attorney-client privilege protection. Pat Philbin, his assistant, his deputy, White House counsel. Dan Scavino, White House deputy chief of staff, right? All of the heads of Trump's national security, national intelligence, and homeland security apparatus have all testified about the martial law suspension of the of the Constitution, which was considered in December before the Jan 6th insurrection by Donald Trump, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn, and Pat Byrne from Overstock.com. It should have been overthrow.com, should have been the name of his company, um, in that conspiratorial meeting at the White House with Donald Trump. We also had, for the national security apparatus, Robert O'Brien, a national security head, Stephen Miller, John Ratliff, the, the head of the national intelligence, Ken Cuccinelli, acting head of the Department of Homeland Security, um, and then others have testified more recently about fake electors and the pressure campaign on elected officials and the um, and voting officials like Brad Raffensperger from Georgia, Secretary of State, who testified, we're sure, just recently, I mean just recently, uh, to, to um, uh, Jack Smith's team and the grand jury about the phone calls he received from Donald Trump, which he also recorded, and, and his interpretation of those. That just happened. The other thing that indicates that we are very close, very close to a Jack Smith indictment is the fact that there is reporting that Jack Smith had told this last gasp of witnesses, including Giuliani, uh, Raffensperger, Meadows, and others, including those that led the fake elector scheme, right? that they would not be able to postpone or continue their testimony. They had to testify in June because he's done with his testimonial part in June. And there might have been one or two stragglers in early July, but, but that's why we haven't heard a lot about grand jury work. And the last time the grand jury met in the District of Columbia, the reporting from people who were sitting outside is that there were no witnesses that went in, which could also indicate they've asked for the indictment. And the steps of the process that Jack Smith uses but has to use as special counsel is he's independent, 
but he has a boss at the very, very end where he has to go to Merrick Garland as the attorney general with a prosecution memo and a presentation, right? He brings him in. He brings his team in. He, they, they lower the lights. They put up a PowerPoint. They show Merrick Garland all the evidence. They click through basically their opening statement in court about why they're recommending through the prosecution memo and a written memo that's also provided, that's that's prepared in a big package, a big agenda package that's given to the attorney general with all the backup in binders. That's the presentation. Picture that in your mind. And from there, Merrick Garland makes the ultimate decision, thumbs up or a thumbs down on the recommended prosecution. If it's thumbs up, Jack Smith goes in with his team, goes back to the grand jury, and does that final nail in the coffin, asks Yay. the jury, the grand jury, to return an indictment against Donald Trump, right? Trump on trial. Yay. And 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 indict him for a series of felony counts, criminal counts against him. Have you heard of senescent cells, also known as zombie cells? These old worn out cells no longer serve a useful function for our health, wasting our energy and nutritional resources. These zombie cells tend to accumulate in our bodies as we age. Sounds like music to my ears. Well, workout recoveries and sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle age feeling. Our sponsor, NeuroHacker, packs seven of the most science-backed cetolytic ingredients into one formula called Qualia Cetolytic. And you can take it after just a legal and start aging on your terms. Which in this case, he has 37 felony counts against him for the moral. Trump on trial sounds like music to my ears. Justice, obstruction of official proceedings, a violation of the Espionage Act. That's 37. This action this is isn't allowed. Good. This is going to be north of 37. This could be in the hundreds against Donald Trump for all of these elements and these steps that we've just talked about. Someone must be and reporting it's going to start, me. as we've said in the past, on Legal AF, the podcast, only on the Midas Touch, ne Midas Touch Network that I co-anchor. We've said in the past that look for a criminal statutes, which are all in the same section of the code book, the criminal code book here. This states, 18 U.S.C. something, 18, but volume 18, United States Code, section 371. That'll be a focus of Jack Smith. Conspiracy to defraud the U.S. in the elections, 18 U.S.C. 1512, obstruction of official proceeding, 18 U.S.C. 2383, which is insurrection. For those that say, how come nobody's been charged with insurrection? We've had seditious conspiracy, which is terrible also. Last time those things were used were back in the Civil War times against the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and others. But why not insurrection? Because that's what it was. Well, with now this base, this confirmed base of dozens of people that have been charged and convicted successfully by the Department of Justice for seditious conspiracy, you have a good foundation to bring an insurrection charge, which is also, we're going back to civil war here against Donald Trump and others. And the other recommendation besides those, those statutes and, and, the, and the list of witnesses is who's likely to be 
in the actual indictment besides Donald Trump. Some people were surprised that, for instance, only for now, at present, only one other defendant, co-conspirator, is with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And that's Walt Nauda, his little buddy, you know, valet, butler, whatever guy that's been traveling with him and with him since the White House. But there are other people that were involved. Some of them are cooperating, some of them are not cooperating, and some of them the Department of Justice wanted to scare the shit out of in order to convince them you better cooperate or you're going to be on the next indictment that we bring from Mar-a-Lago. That's called a superseding indictment or an amended indictment that comes out. So we're going to see a superseding indictment in Mar-a-Lago world as well, adding other counts and adding other people. But you start, you get it out the door now if you're a prosecutor, because then you can use that giant weapon, that giant club, to other witnesses that they have that are not being cooperative. Know, like the IT guy that probably uh, uh, clipped and lost on purpose and destroyed mm. video surveillance evidence of the movement of, of, doc, of boxes and documents of Mar-a-Lago, you then hold that up and say, you're next. When your name underneath this, underneath Walt Nauta, you're next. So that's that's a, a process of pressure campaign that the prosecution uses by doing a smaller indictment and then expanding it later on, depending upon cooperation. Same thing here. So who do we think could be in the new set of indictments coming this week or next week, or certainly within the next 30 days, against Donald Trump? Well, you normally would have Rudy Giuliani and Mark Meadows. Well, let's take Mark Meadows off the board because he might be, you know, he's definitely cooperating co-conspirator number one. And whether he's indicted or not is going to be dependent on the deal that his lawyer, uh, George Terwilliger, is, is um, fashioning with the government. He's successful, and he's a good. Meadows is not going to get indicted, but he's going to roll over and completely drop a dime on Donald Trump, as only Mark Meadows can. That's probably the most dangerous witness that Donald Trump has to worry about, and when he doesn't sleep at night, it's going to be Mark Meadows. Second is Rudy Giuliani, because Rudy Giuliani is caught up in all of those 70 or 80 fake suits that were filed, none of them successful, the pressure campaign on state legislators, the use of the fake electors, the phone calls to uh, state house people and others. That's Rudy. Now, Rudy is currently cooperating and gave uh, interviews under oath, under oath, penalty of perjury, sworn statements to the Department of Justice. But they're evaluating what he's told them because Rudy's a, Rudy's a slippery little fella. And if he's not, he's got to be careful.
because he's testifying between two razor blades. Because the government knows more than he does. The government has it's asymmetrical information. The government has more information, more witnesses, more documents, and more everything than the witness they're talking to. And if the witness deviates from what the government knows is true from other witnesses, eh, they're not going to get a deal. Because there is no deal at present between Rudy Giuliani and the Department of Justice to flip as of yet. But if Rudy wants to avoid being indicted, he's going to have to come clean completely. So you got Meadows and Giuliani. If you don't see them in the indictment, it's because they're completely cooperating at the present time. Then you have Eastman, John Eastman, who's about to get disbarred in California, who is the architect, the absent-minded but dangerous, nefarious constitutional professor who guided Trump through all of this BS fake elector scheme and the pressure campaign on Mike Pence and telling him falsely that Mike Pence had the power as the vice president to stop the peaceful transfer of power. And Ken Cheeseboro, Cheeseboro, Ken Cheeseboro, another lawyer, right, who will be disbarred eventually and will likely end up in the indictment. So you could see Trump, Eastman, and Cheeseboro. If you don't see Giuliani and Meadows, it's because they've completely cooperated. And that's the focus for just security. Bring this case now. Bring the fake electors, the pressure campaign on, on Mike Pence. Bring it against Trump and a couple of other co-conspirators and get this thing, get this rocket off the launch pad now, before primary season starts, before people have to make decisions about voting. And then we let the chips fall where they're going to fall with Fawny uh, Willis and her state prosecutor team in Georgia. Because we're not, we're not sure where that's going to end up, but that shouldn't stop Jack Smith. If, if anything, it should be an accelerant to his investigation. And we're going to see that next. Um, and their other recommendation, which I agree with, is put the rest of this multi-legged conspiracy scheme, put it aside, bring that later in either a superseding indictment, amended indictment, or in a future indictment. And then you've got other things and bad things that Donald Trump did, of course, in places like Bedminster. Jersey at his golf course, <laughs> hiding documents, violating the Espionage Act and the like, which could also be yet another indictment from a New Jersey grand jury against Donald Trump. The other, the last part of the uh, memo, which I think is invaluable, is their attack on Donald Trump's mens rea criminal.
fight. Because he'll argue with I'm just relying on John Eastman. That's not going to work. Uh, reliance on counsel is not. Or I had a good faith belief that I won. No. Because there's evidence that's been identified in this memo. Which indicates that as early as October of 2020, before the election, Donald Trump, along with Tom Fitton, who's not a lawyer at all, came up with a with a with a speech that he was going to give to to declare victory, even before all votes were counted or any votes were counted, and set up a phony election day deadline for vote counting, which totally throws away absentee ballots, mail-in ballots military ballots and the like, which always come in after election day, but are counted as part of our electoral process. And it's normal and it's not fraudulent. But they, like another, you know, another episode of Succession on HBO, were going to declare victory even when they didn't have it and then make everybody sort of, um, you know, paddle backwards through that week. And that's where we are. You know, a guy that thinks he's won isn't declaring victory and declaring there's fraud before the uh, election even happens, and then certainly not going to declare victory and, de and declare there's some sort of election day deadline for vote counting, which there isn't, and that he won all votes counted on election day. Who cares? Mail-in ballots are valid. Uh, absentee ballots are valid, and so are military ballots that come in overseas, as long as their dates stand for a certain day. That is our process, and that's allowed. There's no such thing as... I, I win all people who voted in a booth. That's not a thing. Okay, That doesn't give you the presidency. That and other evidence that he was given, Donald Trump, at or around the time of the election or afterwards indicate he knew or should have known or was trying to be willfully blind that he lost the election, including telling his communications director, direct, director who's now on The View on television, Alyssa Farrah Griffin, you know, can you believe I lost to this effing guy, meaning Donald Trump, uh, meaning Joe Biden, and that statement by Trump was made in Jan in January or late December? And that also consultants that he hired that all looked at all the fraud that he thought happened and told him in his campaign. And Mark Meadows to their face. Uh, there was.
fraud. No dead people voting, no software hardware glitches that were converting, you know, Trump votes to Biden votes, you know, no no fraud that would have changed the outcome of the election. There's always a little, you know, you know, voting issues. There's always somebody trying to double vote or trying to vote their wife's ballot or their dead mother's ballot. Or something like that, but it has to overcome the vast majority, statistically or otherwise, of the election process, right? Undermine the integrity of the election process. When you win, when, when you win, like Joe Biden, by seven million votes and lots of votes in battleground states, you know. 10,000 votes in Arizona, 11, almost 12,000 votes in Georgia, you know, like a thousand BS ballots is not going to overcome that electoral, that electoral margin. That's, that's what Donald Trump was told by all of his advisors, law advisors, special advisors, outside advisors, that he lost the election. So he can't continue to maintain just because he wants to keep saying it. I won, I won the election. That shows willful corrupting. And, which is the heart of the criminal prosecution. Once again, Every time Just Security issues their proposed prosecution memo for Jack Smith, within days or a week, we see the real indictment come out. That's my reporting for the hot take right now. I've given you the outline of when the indictment is likely to come, where it's indicted is likely to come from, the, the uh, charges that were. to see and the co-defendants or cooperating witnesses will be involved i do this on hot takes just like this one only on the midas touch network you do that you're watching me here. you can free subscribe to the midas touch network you'll get hot takes like this one you go to my playlist there's actually a playlist for michael popak you'll find all of my hot take videos there's 250 of them and there i make them about every day just at this intersection of law and politics Twice a week, Wednesdays and Saturdays, catch me on Legal AF, the number one U.S. law and politics podcast. Oh. on the Midas Touch Network. You can watch it on YouTube. You can free subscribe to You can also get it free on Just all the places and platforms.
you get audio podcast legal aid. Sometime in the future. Michael Popak on all things social media. Including threads at MS Popak. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. To keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. <laughs> Looking good, so great. I'm going to pull up and hear it again. Michael Popak, Legal oh, AF. Not. It's time to put up or shut up for <laughs> a right wing voter suppression organization called True the Vote. True, True the, the vote. vote. True and the it's Vote. It's false data. It's the basis <laughs> for Dinesh D'Souza's now Double speak. documentary. A documentary is doing a very heavy post. lift in that sentence, um, which came out called 2000 Mules. 2,000 mules referred to are purportedly 2,000 ballot harvesting people, not drug mules, but ballot mules that were used in battleground states, according to Dinesh D'Souza, who's also the narrator for the documentary, in which they used um, improperly geospatial data, cell phone tower data, combined with some video surveillance data to show that there were at least 2,000 people hired to illegally, against state law apparently, bring multiple ballots and drop them off in ballot boxes. And the leading source of evidence, and again, evidence is used doing a heavy lift in that sentence, was the work of... across America and as losses I'm going to be able to post through oh, the vote, an organization that even the Department of Justice has intervened to claim that they are suppressing through voter intimidation votes around the country in battleground states. Well, in let me post that. The Voting Rights Act. Why are we talking about it today? Because the Georgia State Election Board, based on a complaint that True the Vote made back in November of 2021, that there was illegal ballot trafficking, whatever that is, going on in Georgia, has decided to open an investigation and find out what the F they're talking about. In order to get to the bottom
bottom of that investigation, the State Board of Election in Georgia naturally went back to True the Vote and said, okay, put up or shut up. Rubber meets the road. Where are your documents? Where's your data? Where's your information? Where's your support? We already know from other lawsuits and another federal lawsuit that's currently going on in Georgia uh, brought by an individual who Dinesh D'Souza called out improperly on the documentary as committing voter fraud. A guy by the name of a Georgia citizen by the name of Mark Andrews filed a lawsuit. All he was doing, so the State Board of Georgia Elections determined, was dropping off multiple ballots from people that lived in his house. His own ballot, that of his wife, and two not letting me post comments anymore. We all live under the same roof. He's allowed to do I that. To. You are allowed to drop off in mail drops ballots that aren't yours. As long as the ballots aren't phony. And since there was no allegation of phony ballots, the fact that a particular car or person's cell phone is at or near a ballot box at a particular... Crystal, why are you trying to post anything that it won't allow you to post in the comments? This action isn't allowed. Which, to, to, to Dinesh D'Souza, sorry, I got tongue-tied on his name, <laughs> that Dinesh D'Souza and True the Vote means, oh, if there's a cell phone that's near a Dropbox, five to ten times in any given period during early voting or ballot drop-off voting, aha, it's a mule. I'm not making this up. This is what they determined would be a mule. Now, how do you filter out, for instance, and this is the problem with their science, uh, an Uber driver, a cab driver, a bus driver, an election official who's regularly going to the ballot box in order to pull it out, pull out the ballots. You know, anybody who's Remember, these ballot boxes are not in rural, remote locations. They're in highly trafficked, busy locations. That's why you put them there. They're next to the FedEx store. They're next to the school or the library or places where people, you know, places of worship where there's a lot of traffic. So the fact that an Uber driver rode past the box four or five times, that means he's a mule? Yes, according to True the Vote. Yes, according to Dinesh D'Souza. Okay, kitty, fuck off. Okay. But not hangry. He literally on the video, 
2,000 mules, which Donald Trump and MAGA uses, continues to use to demonstrate in their mind that there was voter fraud, he called out Mark Andrews on the video and said, look, what you're watching right now, poor Mr. Andrews, this is my artist rendering, depositing the, his family's ballots into a totally legitimate mailbox, right? Voter mail ballot drop-off box. There, right there. That is voter fraud. That's fraudulent votes. How do you know that? You're wrong anyway. Because Mr. How do I know? Because Mr. Andrews has sued you in federal court in the Atlanta division of the Northern District of Georgia federal court in a case that's pending because you called the, cow, the guy out as a fraudster when he wasn't. That's called defamation. And you're going to lose that case, Dinesh D'Souza, and true the vote. Yeah. In the meantime, the Georgia State Election Board is taking your allegations of vote trafficking, election trafficking, whatever that is. Seriously, it says, give us the data. You got geospatial cell phone tower data from space? Okay, let's see it. You got surveillance video. Show us the proof that there were 1,700 out of the 2,000 ballot mules, 2,000 mules in Georgia. Names, dates, places, evidence, affidavits, sworn testimony, what you got. And instead they got back a lot of, let me use a legal term, uh, hum, 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 meaning we don't have it. But they don't say we don't have it. So they say instead, people's lives will be in danger. I, I love when they bring that up. People's lives will be in danger. <laughs> they, they pro we promised them we'd keep them anonymous. Yeah, because it's phony. Um, and so we can't turn it over. This is the same true the vote that is embroiled in federal lawsuits, including vote. those involving the Department of Justice all around the country. And they're backed by law firms who, this should come as no shock, also represents Jan six defendants in their court cases for the insurrection and the riot that they participated in. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you yeah, wake up that. too hot or too cold, sleeping on bacteria, bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean, mainly Republican. For a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our to treat yourself, thank you, Miracle Maid, for sponsoring this episode. So this whole ecosystem of right-wing MAGA crazy comes around to the Georgia election board, which, by the way is mainly Republican, and, and the uh, Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, you know, is a Republican. So is, the, so is the governor. You know, we wanted Stacey Abrams, but it's Kemp. So, you know, even to Republican, this is the point here, even to Republican authority figures in voting world, these MAGA right wing are way out there and are saying, oh, it's, uh, we can't tell you, we have it. It's a secret, secret tablet, secret, secret set of tablets under our bed. We can't show it to anybody. So the state board has gone to a Fulton County, Atlanta, Georgia, Superior Court judge and said, order them. They're not complying with the subpoena that we issued them. Make them do it. And based on prior rulings in prior courts, including in federal court, He's going to make them do it, put up or shut up. And when they finally find that there's no there there, there's no data there, state court is going to close that investigation, and that's going to be another black eye for true the vote. And, and just to make you feel a little bit better here on this hot take, true the vote, there are counterweights to true the vote, like fair fight. See, I like our title better already. 
Fair Fight is a organization founded by Stacey Abrams, who ran unsuccessfully twice for governor of Georgia, but she is a powerhouse in her own right in Georgia politics. Again, we don't know, but this is just what we think. And and just let's just all remember why that's so important. Because, you know, let's say if if Trump, if Trump, um, uh, if if Trump wins the election or somebody else wins the election, they can pardon Trump. Who can pardon Trump? For what any crimes fuck? that he's been indicted, convicted of, or future, you know, or could be indicted or convicted of. And, you know, people ask, well, can he pardon himself, uh, you know, while in office? Um, you know, that's unclear. I'm sure he will try if he is if he is elected president. But, you know, look, he could also declare himself unavailable temporarily under the, I think it's the 25th Amendment, where, you know, then then his vice president becomes president for five minutes and let his vice president pardon him. You know, that's how he could get around that easily. Like, there's ways that you can, you can, he can achieve that, but he cannot, nor can any president, uh, pardon for a state crime. So it's very important Uh that Fonnie Willis bring that case and, Alvin Bragg bring his case. That's fucking awesome. Will not they be able to pardon Trump for. Any My podcast convicted of or future, you know, or could be indicted or convicted of. And, you know, people ask, well, can he pardon himself, uh, you know, while in office? Um, you know, that's unclear. I'm sure he will try if he is if he is elected president, but you know, look, he could also declare himself unavailable temporarily under the, I think it's the 25th amendment where, you know, then, then his vice president becomes president for five minutes and let his vice president pardon him. You know, that's how he could get around that easily. Like there's ways that you can, you can, he can achieve that, but he cannot, nor can any president uh, pardon for a state crime. So it's very important that Fonnie Willis bring that case and Alvin Bragg bring his case against Trump, these state charges, and and that General Nessel in Michigan brings, the, they can pardon Trump for any crimes that he's been indicted, convicted of, or future, you know, or could be indicted or convicted of. And, you know, people ask, well, can he pardon himself? Uh, you know, while in office, um, you know, that's unclear. I'm sure he will try if he is, if he is elected president. But, you know, look, he could also declare himself unavailable temporarily under the, I think it's the 25th Amendment, where, you know, then, then his vice president becomes president for five minutes and let his vice president pardon him. You know, that's how he could get around that easily. Like, there's ways that you can, you can, he can achieve that Alvin Bragg bring his case against Trump, mm-hmm. these state charges, and and that General Nessel in Michigan brings those state charges. 
charges against those fake Thanks for because, you know, 200k. Trump, again, he's I'm dual podcasting. I, uh...
so we can disqualify Trump. My number one priority, number one priority. Press step or press. See, are you still? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. That was an ASMR. Okay, let's get back to the show, Trista. Right. All right. Let's get back to the show. Thanks. Two hundred four K is going to be dumped. It's probably because I'm doing twenty four seven indictment watch updates. So, lucky you. You came to the right place. Okay. All the CNN, you know. All right. We're going to pull up all the way to the. In the District of Columbia for a surrender, arrest, and arraignment number yeah. three for Trump. Get your story at home. 
rinse, wash, indict, arrest, <laughs> arrange, repeat. Tangent laundry is coming up for Trump. Speaking of a multiply indicted former president, oh we have updates this week with Judge Cannon presiding over the Mar-a-Lago criminal case against Trump. So hilarious. And Nauta, or as I like to say, for Nauta, with other co <laughs> former president, we have updates this week with Judge Cannon presiding over the Mar-a-Lago criminal case against Trump. And Come on, man. He will be. You know, you Shit. can. Not that far. We just left the quiet place. Knowing now that Jack ago. Smith went to Merrick Garland last week to get sign-off for indicting Donald Trump and others again. This time in the District of Columbia for a series this of crimes. This is called Live Trump and Co-Conspirators Cornered. Yay! By federal and state prosecutors legal AF. I'm very excited. Very excited. It's one hour ago posted. Including... KKK-like crimes for voter fraud, obstruction, and other things related to the big lie and Trump's desperate effort to cling to power while toppling our constitutional republic in his lust to stay in power. Trump's lawyers got the target letter on Sunday they've been dreading, leading in the next few days to indictment, surrender, arrest, and arraignment number three for Trump, if you're scoring at home. Rinse, wash, uh -huh. indict, arrest, arraign, uh -huh. repeat. Tangent laundry's coming up for Trump. Speaking of a multiply <laughs> indicted former president, we have updates this week with Judge. went to Merrick Garland last week to get sign-off for indicting Donald Trump and others again, this time in the District of Columbia. Well, for a series of crimes, including KKK-like crimes for voter fraud, obstruction, and other things related to the big lie and Trump's de desperate effort to cling to power while toppling our constitutional republic in his lust to stay in power. Trump's lawyers got the target letter on Sunday they've been dreading, leading in the next few days to indictment, surrender, arrest, and arraignment number three for Trump, if you're scoring at home. Rinse, wash, indict, arrest, arraign, repeat. And Jim Laundry's coming up for Trump. Speaking of a multiply indicted former president, we have updates this week with Judge Cannon presiding That's over the Mar-a-Lago criminal case against Trump and Nauta. Oh my Dick. God. This week with Judge Cannon presiding over the Mar-a-Lago criminal case against Trump and Nauta. Or as I like to say... for Nauta, with other co-conspirators likely to be indicted in the near future. Time to set a trial date in the case as mandated by the Federal Speedy Trial Act and the Sixth Amendment. 
the people demand a fast pre-primary and election trial. Will Cannon give it to us as she's focused on finding room on the increasingly built up Trump trial calendar in 2024? State attorney generals are doing their part for democracy and to bring the traitorous rabble to justice. And we're not just and they're not just sitting idly by watching the federal investigation and prosecution of Trump. There are state law violations that need to be addressed and defendants brought to justice. First, Arizona's AG, Chris Mays, a former Republican, now a Democrat, declared last week that she was well on her way to criminally investigating Trump, Giuliani, and others Ah, in their attempt to interfere with the integrity of the Arizona elections. Not to be outdone, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, one of the first to refer the fake electors in her state to the... for bringing charges against Giuliani and all these shysters. Shysters. Shiza, shiza, shysters. January 6th, shysters. has found a way to thread the needle, file charges in her state against the Republican leadership and operatives for their crimes being fake electors, all while staying clear of Jack Smith's investigation and prosecution of Trump. A genius path forward for all attorney generals in the battleground states to follow. And staying on the Trump on trial criminal home game. I want to hear this again. We just left the quiet place, knowing now that Jack Smith went to Merrick Garland last week to get sign off for indicting Donald Trump and others again, this time in the District of Columbia for a series of crimes, including KKK-like crimes for voter fraud, obstruction, and other things related to the big lie and Trump's desperate effort to cling to power while toppling our constitutional republic in his lust to stay in power. Trump's lawyers got the target letter on Sunday they've been dreading, leading in the next few days to indictment, surrender, arrest, and arraignment number three for Trump, if you're scoring at home. Rinse, wash, indict, arrest, arraign, repeat. Tan Jim Laundry's coming up for Trump. Speaking of a multiply indicted former president, we have updates this week with Judge (laughs) Cannon presiding over the Mar-a-Lago criminal case against Trump and Nauta, or as I like to say, for Nauta, with other co-conspirators likely to be indicted in the near future. Time to set a trial date in the case as mandated by the Federal Speedy Trial Act and the Sixth Amendment. The people demand a fast, 
pre-primary and election trial. Will Cannon give it to us as she's focused on finding room on the increasingly filled up Trump trial calendar in 2024? State attorney generals are doing their part for democracy and to bring the traitorous rabble to justice. And we're not just and they're not just sitting idly by watching the federal investigation and prosecution of Trump. There are state law violations that need to be addressed and defendants brought to justice. First, Arizona's AG, Chris Mays, a former Republican, now a Democrat, declared last week that she was well on her way to criminally investigating Trump, Giuliani and others in their attempt right. to interfere with the integrity of the here. Arizona elections. Not to be outdone, okay. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel one of the first attempted. Thank you, attorney. By the federal speedy. And the Sixth Amendment. The people demand a fast pre primary and election trial. Will Cannon give it to us as she's focused on finding room on the increasingly filled up Trump trial calendar in 2024? State attorney generals are doing their part for democracy and to bring the traitorous rabble to justice. And we're not just, and they're not just sitting idly by watching the federal investigation and prosecution of Trump. There are state law violations that need to be addressed and defendants brought to justice. First, Arizona's AG, Chris Mays, a former Republican, now a Democrat, the first to refer the fake electors in her state to the feds, has found a way to thread the needle, file charges in her state against the Republican leadership and operatives. their crimes being fake electors, all while staying clear of Jack Smith's investigation and prosecution of Trump. A gene path forward for all attorney generals in the battleground states to follow. And staying on the Trump on trial criminal home game, another federal judge in New York has ruled once and for all that there will be no delays in the New York State Stormy Daniels hush money cover-up trial of Donald Trump and letting the world know that the Manhattan DA and the prosecution of Trump will happen in March 2024 with a state court jury presided over by Judge Mershon. Finally, things look just as dim for Trump on the civil front as his frivolous efforts to have the federal judge throw out the jury's verdict, finding him to be a sex abuser and defamer of E. Jean Carroll and awarding her $5 million of damages has backfired because instead of winning the motion, it just gave the judge an opportunity to declare him a rapist and provided him with another opportunity to lay out over 50 pages all of the evidence against Trump and why Trump was not vindicated by the jury at trial 
that he didn't even bother to attend and finding that the jury awarded her proper damages, all in the proper exercise of justice. You may not believe that we can do it, but we're going to cover all this and things we haven't even thought of yet on the midweek edition of Legal AF with your anchors, Michael Popak and Karen Friedman at Nippolo. Karen, two years ago, when we joined forces, did you think we'd have a rundown like that to discuss, including your old office, the Manhattan DA, and three separate indictments of a former president? I, I mean, I got to use every one of the sponsor's products just to, just to stay on my toes for this episode. How you doing, Karen? I'm good. I'm good. I've had kind of a busy day running around. I actually uh, was on CNN at 7, and I ran from CNN home to do this live at 8, and I was worried I wasn't going to make it, but I still have all the CNN, you know, makeup and all that stuff that they put on you, so... I don't have any CNN makeup on. Well, I ripped the fake eyelashes (laughs) off because they drive me crazy. when I got home and I changed my clothes when I got home but I I was like cutting it this close to see if I can make it from being on at seven but I was never ever going to miss doing this live for sure I love I love that you're a contributor on a, a major network and this is your home court this is where, right? This is where you got started. I see a lot of people. I saw it in chat earlier. Somebody said, oh, I heard all of that on another competitor network, and that person's a contributor to X, Y, and Z. I'm like, we've got contributors to X, Y. I'm going to be on with Karen Friedman this well in about <laughs> 30 minutes. But, but as I asked, I, it was only half in jest. Did you ever think that two years into this, we'd be, I'd be doing a rundown like that with justice being served against Donald Trump? It's yeah. crazy, actually. I can't believe it. I mean, when we first started talking about this, never in a million years, sometimes there were, do you remember when we were like, what should we talk about? What should we do? Should we have a guest on? You know, should we... Like, it's just crazy, right? We were looking for things to talk about, and now there's so many things to talk about. We have to kind of call so that we don't have too yeah. many uh, curate. You know, topics. Curate. Yeah. Yeah. I got a big file. Uh-oh, look out, everybody. Popak file. Let's start where everybody, I think, wants us to start, where I want to start. You do, too. The Target letter, because we know only good things come out of a Target letter. As you rightly predicted, Karen, and we discussed a few episodes ago, there was this quiet, there was this quiet thing. The calm before the storm. Wasn't that much activity going on at the grand jury, a witness here and there. We already knew that 
um, Jack Smith had told witnesses that they were not going to be able to continue or postpone their June testimony. He wanted things wrapped up in June for a reason. And we speculated at that time that this would be a very good time for him during this week. We haven't seen him, you know, grabbing a, a, a sub over at Subway, which he likes to do, to troll to troll uh, the former president. Yeah. Like, I'm just a lunchtime guy. This is an everyday thing. I'll have, you know... Oh shit, this action isn't allowed. Fuck. Ham and the ham and Swiss up, please. Huh. I love we all love that. But you know, there was that moment where we didn't hear or see much, not much going on in Mar-a-Lago, very quiet over the grand jury, and you and I thought, hmm, this is a perfect time to make a presentation to the uh, attorney general. And and just to map that out, he is an independent counsel, but he has to go finally and make his proposal his recommended indictment to his to ultimately his boss the attorney general of the united states merrick garland who has to do thumbs up or thumbs down if he says thumbs down like nah i don't think you have you, you don't have it you know like uh, alvin bragg did a few years ago when he was presented with some things about uh donald trump now you're not there yet go back get better evidence get more witnesses come back to me if he does that then he's got to make a report to the uh, senate's judiciary committee um, but if he says thumbs up, like the presentation, good luck, go get your indictment, gentlemen and ladies, then, you know, that's it. That's all he has to do. And that presentation, you know, picture it. It's a it's a conference room with the Department of Justice at Maine Justice. Binders are handed out. All of the evidence that they've developed, basically their opening statement is provided. Um, there's a PowerPoint slideshow and uh, they, they walk through the elements of the crime, the evidence they have to support it, at least at the indictment stage and beyond, because they're not just interested in getting indictments for indictment's sakes. They want to get convictions. And so they're making their case to their boss. And that happened because we know that happened because the target letter came out. That is the last shoe to drop before the actual indictment. And we know that because we've seen it already. You know, we've seen this show. We've seen it up in Manhattan in its own version, state court prosecution. And we've seen it in federal court for Mar-a-Lago. So here's here's how it's going to work. Target letter, and I want, Karen, you take the first shot at what we think is in the target letter as to the crimes. Target letter listing potential crimes, not all the crimes, not the indictment. Doesn't mean he can't charge other things, ultimately, that the indictment can't be broader than the target letter. But it tells the person, you are the target of a criminal investigation. It also had a, a lovely invitation to Donald Trump to come in and testify to the grand jury this week. Uh, spoiler alert, he's not going to be doing that. Uh, and they dropped it on Sunday. And the timing of that, which I did a hot take on, was not, I don't believe, done by, you know, uh, accident. I think it not only it was done to because they're ready to move to the indictment this week, have him surrender, uh, arrested and arraigned, uh, let's say Monday, Tuesday, next week, eerily similar to what happened with Mar-a-Lago. Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, you know, getting the Secret Service and the uh, and the federal yeah, marshals right. involved. This will be a D.C. District of Columbia arrest and surrender, home hey. court advantage for the Department of Justice, hey. not down in South Florida. As we know, that's going to happen. But the um, the timing of it 
was right on the heels before the Department of it's Justice briefed cases under their arms, binders under their arms, marched into Yeehaw. Judge Cannon's courtroom down in Miami for her to set the trial of the, which we'll talk about on the podcast today, of the Mar-a-Lago uh, Espionage Act and obstruction and conspiracy case. And I believe that that was a signal. They didn't want to do it after because they wanted her to know you are not going to be the only federal judge that's going to have a defendant named Donald Trump in front of her or him this week. Uh, there's going to be another. It sort of keeps her a little more honest, although she's done some interesting things we're going to talk about already as we await her setting the trial date. But I think that was strategically timed. And it was also masterful because this Department of Justice did not leak the target letter. They had to calculate and gamble that Donald Trump would not be able to keep a secret and that between Sunday and Tuesday, he was going to do something on social media. And boy, were they right. He did. Because that's how we learned about the target letter. Now, after that, there's been other good reporting that's gotten even more detail about the target letter from insiders. But the initial, you know, we all found out about it the way everybody found out about it. Because Donald Trump, if not the Department of Justice, days. told the world that he was the target of a uh, of a criminal investigation, just as he did at Mar-a-Lago. So that's the framework for where we are. Now I want to turn it over to my colleague. Maybe he'll lie about if he lies about, about that. I mean, that's fucking evidence. He, that are at least listed insane. in the target letter, understanding that the indictment is much, much crime. Uh, I'm going to start with what what is a target? Okay, so the Department of Justice defines a target as a person to whom the prosecutor or the grand jury substantial evidence linking him to the commission of a crime and who in the judgment of the prosecutor is a putative defendant. Okay, so the purpose of the target letter is to afford the person, the target, an opportunity to testify before the grand jury. And it means that the investigation is nearing an en- nearing the end. And it's in the Department of Justice manual, This tar- what a target letter is. And I think it's important to just kind of remind ourselves of what this is, right? It's a, it's a person who the prosecutor or grand jury has substantial evidence linking them to the commission of a crime. Okay, that's how much more serious does it get? This is this is the Department of Justice telling Donald Trump we have substantial evidence, okay, linking you to a crime. You don't have to send out a target letter, but they typically do in cases, especially with Donald Trump, because they're going to want to say to him, they want to take away the argument for him to say, oh, I didn't get a chance to to make my case to the attorney general or to Jack Smith, or I didn't get to testify before the grand jury, even though we know he's not going to. Give me some free legal advice. to do it so he can't make that argument and claim that he's the victim again, yet again, because that's his whole MO that he fundraises off of. So to answer your question, what do we think the charges are that the DOJ has substantial evidence linking him to? And now we haven't seen the target letter. However, there's been reporting by multiple news sources in the New York Times. You know, we're, we're recording this right now at uh, eight o'clock on uh, the 19th of July, Wednesday. And this just came out, I think at like 647 on the 19th. Uh, so just an hour, a little over an hour ago, this came out, this article, and it talks about the, the various uh, charges that uh, at least, there are three at least um, uh, in there, the, um, that we think are in there. Okay, so really quick. Um, 
number one, deprivation of rights under the color of law under 18 United States Code 242. And this is a this is a crime that includes not only acts done by federal or state or local officials within their lawful authority, but also acts done beyond the bounds of the official's lawful authority um, while they're purporting to act in the performance or hit of his or her duties. So persons acting under the color of law, you know, what does that mean? That could be any official, um, et cetera. And it's not necessary that the crime be motivated like as a hate crime. And it's punishable, you know, by up to um, a, a lot of time, up to life, depending if there's like physical injury. So it's really, you know, what does this mean? You know, what is it? What is a deprivation? What is under the color of law? You know, what, what exactly um, does that mean? And, you know, the, the New York Times is saying that they think it's actually 18 United States Code 241 uh, is really the, um, the charge that they think is going to be here, that he's going to be charged with. And it's a conspiracy where two or more yeah. persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person, person um, in their free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege. And I think really what they're saying is it has to do with voting. And that's what the experts, the legal experts are saying, that it makes it unlawful for two or more people to agree to injure, threaten, or intimidate a person in the United States in their free exercise or enjoyment of any right or privilege secured by the Constitution. So it could be voting. It could be counting ballots. It could be the fake electors. You know that it's that it's the um, the electoral ballot. So that's where we think that is going to land. And that charge came as a surprise to a lot of people. They didn't know that that was going to be in there. Um, the two charges that they knew that, that we all sort of suspected uh, was conspiracy to defraud the United States, um, 18 U.S.C. 371. That's like a general conspiracy statute. Um, it's two or more people who conspire to commit any offense against the United States. So, you know, it, it, we'll see um, what exactly the theory is going to be here, but clearly it has to do with, you know, the, the, um, the electoral college and both the states and Pence and trying to defraud the American people. Uh, of, you know, the legitimate person who, Joe Biden, who they voted for. So, you know, it's a very broad statute and, you know, it can include any conspiracy uh, for the purpose of, of obstructing the lawful function of any department of government. So the counting of the electoral votes, you know, trying to pre prevent Mike Pence from actually um, counting the electoral votes. And there's another... Um, there's another charge, the third charge that, that people are calling tampering with the witness. And I think the reason they're calling it that, it's really obstruction of an official proceeding. It's 18 United States Code Section 1505 that includes tampering.
tampering with a witness. But I don't think anyone thinks uh, that that that's going to be a charge that he's that he's tampering with a witness at in the grand jury or a trial. It's more um, the official proceeding being again uh, Congress when when Mike Pence um, was was there to certify the election. So those are the three charges um, that it looks like are in there. And we'll see. It doesn't. I don't think those are the only charges. I think that includes those three charges, and it really gives the theory of um, of where they're leaning and what they're signaling to Donald Trump. So, go ahead, Popak. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's you know that's 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 what I think um, we're going to see here. You know, I think the the we've we've heard reporting that the that Trump was surprised at the sweeping nature of the charges, which I don't know how he could be surprised given the fact, you know, that that anyone who watched the Jan 6 Select Committee hearings knows the sweeping nature of the criminal enterprise that is Trump and his people, who are you know who, who are. Go ahead. I didn't mean to no, no, it's true. Like, how do you? How can you be surprised? They're, they're you know? not. They're, yeah. I agree with you. They're not. This is a disinformation campaign that they're continuing to run. Like, well, we know about all the witnesses and the evidence, and we don't even know why we're being indicted at all. Uh, I've actually saw reporting that said a version of that, which was, we always thought he'd be an unindicted co-conspirator. Like, are you effing kidding me? I mean, all you got to do, you don't have to watch Legal AF. You, you should. But you don't have to. You just, I mean, anybody that's watching this closely can reel off two dozen major witnesses, including lawyers against Trump, which is what I call that group, Operation Coconut, which is what the D Department of Justice and Jack Smith calls it, because I think it's a, it's a contraction for co-conspirator nuts, coconuts. You can't list the witnesses and think about the subpoenas that have gone out for documents in the case that just we know about from being sort of insider outsiders that follow this thing closely and come away with it with, I didn't think I was going to be indicted at all. Or, are there other witnesses? Are there other documents? No, idiot. And no, we don't believe you. You know. I mean, that's just them whistling in the graveyard. They know they're cooked. I mean, Mark Meadows cooperating with the federal government, if that wasn't the nail, the final nail in the coffin, I don't know what is. Rudy Giuliani, the more he says, I didn't get a target letter, I didn't flip on Donald Trump, which is what he's been reported to say the last two days, that usually means that he did flip on Donald Trump and he is going to be getting a target letter. My theory on Giuliani is that they, they basically scared the crap out of him and Meadows, and they'll do it with others that says, hey, you see this indictment? That we're, that we're filing later this week, the first draft of it had your name in it. And the next draft and the next superseding indictment is going to have your name in it. Now sit in that chair and stop screwing around or you're going to be a defendant along with Donald Trump. Because we saw this, Karen, as you know, from being a prosecutor and me being a criminal defense lawyer in, in, uh, in part, that the fact that the indictment that was filed in Mar-a-Lago, if that's going to be the template for... Um, Jack Smith's team in his next indictment, we know what he did. He kept it really, he, he colored within the lines. He kept it really straight. He only brought Trump and one other co-conspirator. He could have made it more sweeping. He could have had six co-conspirators. He could have had many more counts in there. But he says, you know what, I don't need that right now. I'm still working witnesses. 
and I'm still working. This is me. This is the universal symbol for working. I'm working witnesses and I'm working evidence. And as soon as I get that all lined up, people will then be on one side of the line or other. They're either going to be unindicted co-conspirators or they're going to be indicted co-conspirators in the next indictment. Same thing here. The fact that the target letter centers on, and I want to talk a little bit more about those claims, centers on those three criminal statutes, two of which, no surprise whatsoever. Two of your friends, Karen, Norm Eisen and Daniel Perry, and I did a hot take on this one, and they're great. Whatever they send out their model prosecution memo, within days, Trump gets indicted. It's like clock. It's like washing your car, and there's a rainstorm. And they're great because as former prosecutors like you and them on the federal side, they laid out okay, you know, using the Jan Six Committee originally. Here's the count for conspiracy to defraud the United States. Fine. Here's the one about um, you know uh, obstruction of an official proceeding, which is of course the certification of the election in Congress. They hit those two perfectly. The one that's coming, and this is why Jack Smith is the real prosecutor, and he gets paid the medium bucks, because he came up with a different theory using a body of law developed after a reconstruction of the United States when freed African Americans were being intimidated by the KKK and other groups to stop them from exercising their constitutional right to vote. And as... Uh, the Supreme Court has said, including most eloquently by Thurgood Marshall, every person is entitled constitutionally to a fair ballot and have their ballot and their vote counted. And the way that they can do that, the way that Jack Smith can then use that and stretch that around this case, that claim that developed after, you know, developed uh, to stop people from voting. And yes, it arose, a lot of the case law is about ballot stuffing, phony ballots shoved into ballot boxes or the equivalent, um, other types of phony votes or ballots. But we have a phony ballot and a phony, a phony vote, if you will. And that's the fake electors in seven states that met clandestinely in basements and in rooms near but not in the state house and signed their names with, I don't know, quill pens and, and wax seals and turned them in to the National Archive and then sent them and tried to deliver them to Congress for Mike Pence, awaiting Mike Pence. Here's a version of one uh, from Michigan we're going to talk about soon in the indictment that's happened there. Look at all those people's names. Those are all Republican operatives and leaders, some of which are on the National Committee for the Republican Party. And this close, two peas in the pod with Rona McDaniels. That's that group. And that happened in seven other places. So that fake electors that, that the attorney generals are now going after in their home states, they're, in a way, a fake vote. It is a fake vote, so it's perfect. No one ever did fake electors before, so no one ever thought to use that particular statute, like Jack Smith, to, to embrace it, to encompass that as a series of crimes. There's other, there's other intimidation of the vote, though, that we know about. We know, you know, going after vote counters, like Ruby Freeman, right, um, and Shea Moss in Georgia. And we know now from reporting that they're trying to find, the feds are trying to find the videotape for what really happened in that Fulton County Stadium in vote counting with intimidation efforts by people that were supposed to be poll watchers, but were really vote interferers hired by Donald Trump and his campaign. 
I saw a mini version of it many, uh, a number of years ago when I was a poll watcher for the Democrats in Miami when Obama ran second time. And I saw what could happen when the Brooks Brother Mafia, these, you know, these, uh, you know, crew cut kids in, in dockers and, uh, you know, blue button down shirts show up uh, and try to stare down the election officials and stop uh, or throw out votes along the way. Oh, that vote. Oh, oh, that person doesn't vote in that precinct. Oh, he doesn't have the right voter ID. Oh, you're not allowed to take an electric bill when you are in some shape or something else and get those votes thrown out. That intimidation factor is also part of that particular statute. So, again, not the indictment. That's not what got delivered on Sunday night, however it got delivered, to Donald Trump. It is just to put them, as you said, Karen, on notice that you are no longer a subject. You're not a witness. You're a target. You want to come in and talk to us? Great. What happened last time with Mar-a-Lago, just to round this out, is that uh, that led the prior counsel, now departed, <laughs> of uh, Jim Trustee, and um, and uh, well, no, Evan Corker was no, Evan Corker was still there. Jim Trustee and Evan Corker asking to have a meeting with Merrick Garland, and um, not even Jack Smith. Let's have a meeting with Merrick Garland, who's, who's not the guy that's pushing the buttons on the prosecution, to see if he can. And, and Merrick Garland took the meeting, you know. And then he met. Also, they also met with Jack Smith. It was that very fast series of meetings. But like two days later, the indictment came out, and then we're off and running. So maybe they'll try for another meeting. This time led by Trump's current lawyers, which are uh, Chris Heiss, a Florida lawyer based in Coral Gables, actually his office within 50 yards of where my law firm is located, and um, Todd Blanche out of New York, uh, who, who is in a two-person law firm. Chris Geis, I think, is in a one-person law firm. This is who Donald Trump has presenting him. And they'll maybe they'll try for a meeting. Who knows? But that's not going to stop the indictment. Now, we said last week, I thought last week was indictment week. What do you think? You think indictment is Thursday, Friday with arraignment? Raymond surrender arrest the next Tuesday to give everybody time to do the security. Well, so you know, there's there's this uh, been been reporting that there's one more witness who's testifying uh, on um, on Thursday, and so that'll be interesting to see if you know they vote if they take a vote right after that, or if they wait because. Again, it's unclear. Trump said that he has until midnight tomorrow. The focus comes from Trump to decide if he wants to um, testify in the grand jury. If that's the case, then they won't vote tomorrow. They'll wait until after midnight tomorrow. They could vote Friday, you know, or they could vote next week. But we do know there's one more witness uh, going in on Thursday um, into the grand jury. But I just want to say one quick, or ask you really a question about this, about what you were saying about um, 18 U.S.C. 241. Um, about that charge, you know, so first of all, it requires uh, two or more people, right, to conspire. Um, and so the, do you think that there will be another person on, uh, you know, this is like more of a question that I'm really interested to see. Oh, yeah, there's going to be another person. Right. So is there going to be another person charged? And who will that be like Eastman or others, for example? Um, and, you know, or are they just going to say co-conspirator number one? You know, like, will there yeah. be like a wrong Mm -hmm. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I so think it's both. I think it's both. If that was a question to me, I think it's both. I think there's going to be a series of unindicted co-conspirators who, they, they, I'm sure, in discussions, have warned that they are going to be next if they don't cooperate more fully for the superseding indictment. 
I'll take Eastman and Giuliani as their lawyers at their word, because they have no incentive to lie, that they did not get a target letter. Look how quickly. This is who you know who the future targets are, because they're all popping out of the woodwork saying, well, I didn't get one yet. Well, you don't have, but you don't have to get, like, well, well, you, that's you true, but, out. true, but the MO of this department has been, they've been doing that, yeah. maybe, only, maybe only for Trump. But you're right, for somebody who's not Trump, a non-Trumper, uh, they, they don't have to. They just do it the old-fashioned way, which is you're indicted. So you, one, yeah. Yeah, because but criminal defendants are this. not nor criminal criminal defendants are not generally invited into their own grand jury to testify. That's true. Yeah. And so one other question I have about this charge, and again because it kind of comes as a surprise to everybody, uh, and so I haven't really had a chance to digest it. Um, is what will the theory be, right? Like, who did who did they oppress and intimidate, right? Is it is this like intimidation of Pence, or you know, like in other words, you know, was this both chambers and their privileges were being you know taken away from them because they couldn't you know certify the vote in the electoral process, or was this to deprive the 81 million voters of their right to have their so so it's going to be 81 million victims? Like that's yeah, unprecedented. That's unprecedented. Well, well, that that set of statutes that he that statute he's talking about, the Supreme Court has determined that the electorate at large, without any one particular per person, wow. can be can be the injured party. It's like and the biggest because, class action of all time. <laughs> right, because by God forbid they were successful. But it doesn't matter whether they were successful. The fact that they tried it is enough, and that's the conspiracy of that time. But what they were trying to do was to divest you and me of my lawfully cast ballot. And I'm entitled, and you're entitled, and everybody, all 14,000 people in our chat are entitled to have their ballot and their vote and their enfranchisement honestly counted. And it wouldn't be. It would have been completely taken away from us by the flipping of votes, right? This vote flipping. And it also the intimidation, just to round out the, I think this is a multi-headed hydra when it comes to the facts that would support this unique claim. Fake electors, easy, that's easy. Fake, this is fake ballot, fake voting, fake electors, which underneath it all disenfranchises 80 million people, right? Or actually more, whoever, it, it, because it throws off the vote, it makes fraudulent the vote count for everyone, even if you voted for Trump, because he, he, didn't, he didn't really win. <laughs> okay, that's one. Two, it's the intimidation and the interference by Donald Trump, which he's made personally in this, as the defendant, picking up the phone and calling Arizona and Georgia trying to flip votes, right? Let's take 11,758 Georgian votes and let's flip them or get rid of them. I'm going to intimidate you, Secretary of State. I'm going to threaten you on the phone with potential crimes, which we know this is the fascist dictator playbook, right? We're going to put you in jail if we ever get back into power. That he's doing it again, and we'll talk about it at some other time, and I've done a hot take on it that's coming out, about what this group will do, this shadow government, this government in exile, if they ever get back into power, including jailing their opponents. But they were threatening Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, and other election officials there, and in Arizona, and in Michigan, and in Wisconsin, and in Pennsylvania, to try to flip votes. See, they didn't have to flip them. You don't have to stuff the ballot box. You can just be hovering above the ballot box with the votes, 
to stuff them and you've now committed the crime. So that's another factor of this this intimidation vote fraud uh, statute, which the more we talk about it, Karen, the more perfect and elastic it sounds to wrap around all of Trump's conduct with all of these co-conspirators. I know. I don't know how everyone, you know, myself included, how we all missed it. It's such a brilliant, you know, yeah. such a brilliant charge. And, you know, Jack Smith is, is great. This is, this is perfect. It's like yeah. a perfect charge for yeah. really what they did. Yeah. Not bad for a crackhead, <laughs> to paraphrase Donald Trump. I, I, I mean, I love that he goes to such depth of, 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 uh, of being uh, evil. You know, to attack wives and husbands and children, prosecutors, their families, judges, grand jurors, jurors, calling people crackheads. I mean, it's just He's disgusting. How is he? I, I, even if you liked the guy originally and you voted for him, how do you believe he is fit for office? And I now he's, he's just dying the death of a thousand cuts, which is every one of the things you and I are going to talk about on the pod. And we're and coming up next. And not one, but two more criminal cases. We're going to talk about Mar-a-Lago and what is going on with Judge Cannon again. I never thought I'd say that phrase, but I am in the in the courtroom about setting the trial and a, a protective order, which we'll talk about what that is, that she had to put in place. But only she found a way to avoid doing it, at least at the first go around. And we'll talk about Donald Trump's failed attempt, thank God, to get his case moved from state court with Manhattan DA's office leading the charge and Judge Bershon in the state court in Manhattan, the federal court with a federal judge making his ruling to, uh, just today about that. But first, before you we, break, no, I got to do a sponsor break. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Do the do your do your thing, and then we'll do a sponsor. Before you break, I just that someone in the comments asked, can they yes. send? Can we send Jack Smith a Subway gift certificate? And the answer is absolutely not. He is not permitted to receive any gifts ever. That's a that's a number one rule for any prosecutor. So I just wanted I wanted to. It's a great. Uh, it's an excellent gesture. But you cannot. He can't accept it, and he won't. Don't accept send him it. to it. Don't. But <laughs> and, and one day maybe Subway will be our sponsor. But today we got a great group of sponsors, and here we go. My old mattress would overheat while my partner and I were laying in it together, making for a terrible night's sleep. I'm so excited to say that this episode is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Summer is reaching its apex, and there's nothing worse than tossing, turning, or sweating in the night because of summer heat. The pod cover by Eight Sleep will keep you cool all night, all the way down to 55 degrees Fahrenheit, so you wake up fully refreshed. In the motion for protective order, said we tried to get them on the phone. We said, hey, how's your calendar for the 14th of July? we got to get this thing moving. And they said 14 of our seat with. Huh? You're still there. Thanks for 204K, man. It's got great taste. They do 24 7 podcasting on the indictment watch updates coming out of Midas Touch, which is the most accurate legal analysis. In the world, and the most viewers. Anyway, good night. Getting back against a rogue, out of control United States Supreme clearly. Court. Ruling after ruling shows that it's out of step with where America mm-hmm. is morally, ethically, and legally, as it as it pushes its 
right-wing agenda down the throats of America. And America and democracy is fighting back. The latest, we have the Senate, the group of senators, Senator Whitehouse, Senator Durbin, Senator um, uh, Schumer, calling for hearings, trying to get the Chief Justice to appear in front of their committee, which they control as Democrats are in control of the Senate, to have him answer for the continuing revelations of unethical behavior by Justice Alito, Justice Thomas, Justice Mm -hmm. Gorsuch, and others who have gotten into bed with their donors, with the Federalist Society, Mm -hmm. taking uh, lavish trips, having their uh, college tuition and private school tuition paid for, selling raw property, land and property and real estate to people that have business before the court, all of that. And, of course, this machine that Roberts has built is spitting out attacks on democracy and civil liberties at a regular pace, picked up in the last term when this this Supreme Court, feeling its oats, feeling it had the numbers and the power to do it, addressed a Second Amendment gun rights, reproductive rights, um, uh, First Amendment uh, and racism in America and affirmative action and race-based equality all in one term. It all came out in the wrong direction as far as the majority of the American public are concerned. And now, United for Democracy, representing labor unions and progressive organizations and religious organizations from Jewish to Christian to Muslim, women's rights organizations, reproductive rights organizations, voting rights organizations, representing the entire spectrum of gender, uh, sexuality, religion, national origin in America have all fought back. And now in an open letter to the leadership, the Democratic leadership is really who they're speaking to in the Senate, you know, including, like I said, Schumer, Durbin, uh, and uh, White House are calling for a series of investigative hearings, right, real action in order to uh, for their, their immediate their removal. Reform, once and for all, a corrupt and opaque U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. Let me read to you Fucking from the open right. letter, which we hope will be the final straw, the tipping point that leads to the opening of this investigative hearing and gives them cover, if you will, political cover, political will to do this, because this is what the people are demanding. So we have, for instance, in the open letter, let me read excerpts from it, This is very powerful. And it really expresses the point that we've been making here on the Midas Touch Network. We write today, on behalf of the tens of millions of Americans, we represent to urge Congress to finally address a broken and captured Supreme Court that is overturning precedents, shattering judicial norms, and consistently sliding or siding with billionaires, massive corporations, and their extreme right-wing allies over workers, families, communities, yeah. and our democracy. How can we undo all that damage? and corruption at the court have undermined public trust and made... See if I can post on this one. No way to undo all the damage they've already done. This action isn't allowed. 
<laughs> mockery of the idea it's that every hard. American should be treated equally under the law as a co-equal branch of government with constitutional responsibility to structure the federal courts and create law, Congress should conduct a thorough investigation and take action to restore a fair and independent judiciary. Formal congressional hearings and oversight would be a strong step forward. Congress advancing a legislative agenda that would rein in judicial corruption, protect our checks and balances, restore the rule of law, hold justices accountable, and preserve our freedoms and democracy. The letter goes on from this grassroots organization to say, this Supreme Court majority has gone too far on behalf of their donors and benefactors. Enough is enough. People across the country, including the tens of millions we represent, are increasingly disillusioned with today's biased an unfair Supreme Court. We want a Supreme Court that protects our freedom to make a good living, to breathe clean air and drink clean water, to walk through our communities without the fear of gun violence, to make our own health care decisions, and to know our kids will learn and grow at school. Congress not only has the power, but a sworn constitutional duty to bring transparency and accountability to a Supreme Court that has been captured by wealthy and well-connected special interests and to ensure equal justice under the law. That's where we are as of today. We could only hope that the leaders, the Democratic leaders in the Senate, because because the House is gone, the House is, is, is full tilt MAGA. You know, if McCarthy ever thought he could run something that he could be proud of in the House and, and go down and, and like Nancy Pelosi is one of the greatest speakers, in the history of our country, it's gone, it's over. It was over the day he was barely elected on the 20th ballot. MAGA runs the House. Gotta look to the Senate, which is under the control of the Democrats, to do this. We've had a series of decisions. For some people that are just sort of tuning in here, what are they talking about in the letter about a Supreme Court out of control? In the last term alone, they have broadened uh, gun rights and limited the ability of local government, uh, state, local authority. To limit sensibly uh, guns and gun ownership and gun use. So it's against responsible, reasonable gun control. And that's New York, the New York Rifle Association case at the beginning of the term. So they took on guns. You know, all those things in, in uh, polite uh, cocktail parties you're not supposed to talk about, that's what the Supreme Court took on because they had the numbers this year to shove down our throats their MAGA agenda. So now reasonable gun control is out. The only gun control that's allowed in America now, after Clarence Thomas wrote the opinion, is gun control that was around at the time of the founding of this country, 17 and 1800s. If it didn't exist then, it's not going to exist now despite 
the, the tremendous increase in the potency and firepower of firearms that could never have been contemplated by our founding fathers or people that lived on the frontier of America in the 1800s. Reproductive rights, the Dobbs decision last May. That took away, for the first time, the constitutional right of a woman to make her own choice about her bodily autonomy. Right? Took away a constitutional right that had been super precedent. Precedent upon precedent upon precedent that you're never supposed to touch. The Supreme Court said, you know what? Let's leave it to the states, meaning we know that two-thirds of the states are red and they're going to get rid of abortion, so that's where we're going to throw it. Then they moved on just this past term to, under the guise of protecting the First Amendment, instead they've ingrained, right, and they have uh, ingrained racism and bigotry into our society and given a permission slip to racism and bigotry under the guise of protecting the First Amendment. So if you're a creative professional, whatever that is, and you, and you want to get money, because, you know, it's your job, and you want to get money from the public before anybody that was in the business of public accommodation and wanted to get money from... Public people couldn't be bigoted. couldn't be racist. Now you can. Under 303. Creative, the new lawsuit, the new uh, ruling by the Supreme Court. You don't want to serve blacks, Jews, members of the LGBTQ plus community. You can, you can say no. I only serve white people. And that's under the false, the false flag of the First Amendment. And then on affirmative action, or using race and recognizing racial inequality in America that continues to exist, even though we're 60 years beyond the Civil Rights Movement, we're only 30 years beyond whites only in certain sections of the South. We're only, we're only yesterday beyond cross burnings in the South. But no, to the Supreme Court, not only is justice blind, justice is blind, justice is colorblind. And we've solved our racism problem, so we no longer have to have public universities and colleges look at race at all in, entering, in their entering class and coming up with diversity. No longer do we need to lend a helping hand to those that are disadvantaged in our society. Because everybody has the same advantages to the Supreme Court. Doesn't everybody go on lavish jets and vacations um, around the world with their benefactors and their donors? The answer to that is no, they don't. But under the North Carolina and um, Harvard case, we now have that. So this is the out of control. I'm just listing five out of a hundred decisions in the last two years by the Supreme Court that shows that they're out of muck, run amok. Then run that parallel to all of the transparency that we're now getting, not, not because they want to do it, but because investigative reporting done by the enemy of the people, the media, doing their First Amendment job of 
ripping the mask off these phonies on the Supreme Court and showing how they are influenced by their donors, their benefactors, right, on the Federalist Society, on the Supreme Right Wing, how they lecture at the rightest of right wings of law school, supported by the Federalist Society, how they go away on vacations and holidays, how they do personal transactions, selling property, getting money to their benefactors in this completely hermetically sealed world of, of moneyed interests that are influencing decisions and policies at the Supreme Court. If it wasn't for, for ProPublica, would we know about, and the answer is no, would we know about how, um, how rancid the ethical compass or how cracked the ethical compass of Sam Alito and um, Clarence Thomas are? Would we know about Sam Alito's wife having oil and gas uh, contracts on her Oklahoma property, like some sort of there will be blood episode, while her husband is ruling against environmental protection policies? Sorry, Sam, I didn't know your, your wife was a robber baron. Your wife was an oil mogul, while you're... The rest of us have to drink from water supply that's now polluted because you refuse and have completely gutted the clean water. Wow, I didn't know about that, about Alita's wife. Is an oil mogul... And he has voted against environmental protections. Neither. Or that there was people who were in front of you, right, business before the court, on cases that you decided that you vacationed with in Alaska. Right, for a week in some, you know, glamping. sort of glamping, you know, a private chef, you know, fret, uh, luxury linens uh, type of environment at some uh, exclusive lodge in Alaska. Sorry, the rest of us aren't able to do that. This is the corruption that the uh, United for Democracy is talking about in their letter. What we hope here on the Midas Touch Network is that the groundswell of rising up by grassroots entities to go after the Supreme Court and shed a light and put a spotlight on it is going to result in the Democrats that control the Senate doing something about this. Stop talking about it. 
Stop talking about doing something about it. Stop trying to get Justice Roberts to come before you and open up investigative hearings, as only you can in control of the Senate while you control the Senate. Yeah. I know summer vacation's coming up, but democracy and justice yeah, doesn't take a holiday. Ass, and you shouldn't either. Call a special session. Okay, Dick Durbin, no time to Charles Schumer, roll over and play dead White House, again. Senators all, Democratic senators all, right? Hold these hearings. Propose legislation. You, you have the power of the purse. The federal courts only exist because you fund them. Stop funding them unless they do the right thing. You're not interfering with the co-equal branches of government. You're not interfering with the separation of powers by doing your job in checks and balance. It's not three separate spheres, right? When we talk about separation of powers, that's within the context of checks and balances, which means that each of the co-equal branches has to be a check against the other, right? Congress and the Supreme Court, a check against an out-of-control executive branch. The executive branch doing its part against an out-of-control Congress. And when the Supreme Court is rogue, off the chain, and out of control, then the executive branch and the Senate have to do something about it. And that's what United for Democracy in the letter is proposing. I'm going to continue to stay on top of this issue in hot takes just like this one, only on the Midas Touch Network. We pull all this together. We do a long-format podcast here on the Midas Touch Network called Legal AF Wednesday. It is morally, ethically, right. and legally as it, as it pushes right, its right-wing agenda down the throats of America. And America and democracy is fighting back. The latest, we have the Senate, American the group of senators, Senator Whitehouse, back. Senator Durbin, Senator um, uh, Schumer, calling for hearings, trying to get the Chief Justice to appear in front of their committee, which they control, as Democrats are control of the Senate, to have him answer for the continuing revelations of unethical behavior by Justice Alito, Justice Thomas, Justice Gorsuch, and others who have gotten into bed with their donors, with the Federalist Society, taking uh, lavish trips, having their t uh, college tuition and private school tuition paid for, selling raw property, land and property, and real estate, to people that have business before the court, all of that. And of course, this machine that Roberts has built is spitting out attacks on democracy and civil liberties at a regular pace. Yeah, but stripping away our rights, they've already stripped away our rights.
Pick up the fucking phone. Pick up the phone. Make a free phone call, I would. Okay. Trust it for Brez. Krista Repress. So the Supreme Court's Supreme Court has already stripped away several of our rights, putting us back a century or more. When is sleepy Joe Biden going to wake up? Sleepy Going to wake up and weigh in on the situation. As president, I'd use soft power. Make a free phone call. Yeah, demand the resignations. That's what I would do. If I were press. Supreme Court. Oops, Supreme. I have to be careful about my uh, TikTok. I just got a uh, couple of. couple of. Um, removed videos and they gave me a warning about you know I have to I appealed there's one that I can't appeal it's it's got a picture of uh, Trump as the uh, you know in Nazi regalia and apparently I can't do that I guess I understand but uh, they make it so that uh, yeah it's their platform so you have to, uh, you know, here's the difference between me and Mr. Assface. Nazi dump is I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> Sleepy Joe Biden.
Okay, I'm convinced it all sleepy, Joe. All sleepy. Joe Biden has to do is pick up the goddamn phone for GD and call all six Supreme Court justices. And demand their fucking resignations immediately. I'm going to and and not take no for an answer. By the way, he stole that. Uh, by the way, by the BTW. Many women's lives are at stake right now because of Joe Biden's inaction. As your problem, I'm your problem, and until you elect me, then everything will be hunky dory. I'm gonna do both turns. I'll be wildly popular. Maybe I'll have different. I'm up to having a different vice president the first term to the second term. Maybe just to give, uh, you know, to give, uh, allow people to have the experience of being vice president, you know, maybe like a, well, we've had a black president, how about an Asian or a other, you know, woman or like indigenous, how about an indigenous vice president, I think, uh, I think I could promise to seriously consider maybe like run with other. The thing is, like everything that we've done before, that that would be a good idea. What's her name, Jill? Um, to run with the Native American candidate, chosen candidate. How about you guys? You guys choose. In, in, in exchange for your support.
they choose exchange for uh, the indigenous communities support I choose my VP. Okay. Add button. Okay, so here's my message. The Supreme Court has already stripped away several of our rights, putting us back a century or more. When is sleepy Joe Biden going to wake up and weigh in on the situation? As president, I'd use soft power. Make a free phone call. Christopher Perez. Not accept no. Okay, so criticize. Mm, I can't post Instagram. Uh, like Democrats. No, Democrats would like that. Republicans you uh, Arizona Democratic Party candidates. Dodge.
I am uh, I am vote.
Thanks for your. Just uh, for press. Trump for president. Trump for president. One thousand one posts. Let's see here. So I'm copying that. Pop quiz. Hmm. Okay. My message to young people. The message to the ladies. My apologies to staunch Biden supporters, but I am a Democratic Party candidate, and the last time I checked, primaries were open to new candidates. Health competition is healthy, no? Since we've never had a woman president, I'm throwing my hat in the ring because we need a woman candidate desperately. We need a woman president now. President, we need her now. And we need her now. about half women in Congress now? How about women president will fight for all women like no man can? Michael Popak, a gifted attorney, does hot takes for Midas Touch Legal AF podcast. At the intersection of politics and the law. Thanked me for running for president. I want to thank him for thanking me. Because, because uh, everyone's so scared. It's obviously a long uphill battle even to get on the ballot. 
In this hostile environment for all candidates based on campaign money raised alone, I have no desire to help perpetuate the failed policies of the past. We need new, fresh new ideas and we need them now. We need fresh young people, fresh people, young people, women, minorities, new people, new fucking faces. We need term limits. We need term limits immediately. Immediately. We had half women in Congress losing our bodily autonomy would not be revoked like it is now. We let old white farts set the agenda in this country and allow the corruption and quite frankly treason to go unaccounted for. The White House these days is silent, too silent, for fear of being too political. Grandpa Brandon chooses to be in the background of these critical debates facing the rest of us. Women are dying in Texas and many other states. Doctors are, uh, um, women, Black people are dying in Texas and many other states, and, and doctors are being put in jail for giving them treatment. By the way, in Asia.
Joe Biden isn't saying anything about it, but I will, and that's uh, about uh, but I will, and that's what makes me the best, better, and best candidate. Best. Well, one of the things. Right, a list of new candidates. I'll copy that and post on Arizona Democratic women candidates. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Okay, Federation of okay Supreme Court has already stripped away several of our rights, putting us back hundred years up in the last term when this this Supreme Court feeling its oats feeling it had the numbers and the power to do it addressed the Second Amendment gun rights reproductive rights um, uh, First Amendment uh, and racism in America and affirmative action and race-based equality all in one term and all came out in the wrong direction as far as the majority of the American public are concerned and now, United for Democracy, representing labor unions and progressive organizations and religious organizations from Jewish to Christian to Muslim, women's rights organizations, reproductive rights organizations, voting rights organizations, representing the entire spectrum of gender, uh, sexuality, gender. religion, national origin in America have all fought back. And now, in an open letter, to the leadership, the Democratic leadership is really who they're speaking to in the Senate. You know, including, like I said, Schumer, Durbin, uh, and uh, White House are calling for a series of investigative hearings, right? Real action in order to, uh, in their, their view, reform once and for all a corrupt and opaque U.S. Supreme Court. Let me read to you from the open letter, which we hope will be the final straw, the tipping point that leads to the opening of this investigative hearings and gives them cover, if you will, political cover, political will to do this, because this is what the people are demanding. So we have, for instance, in the open letter, let me read excerpts from it, because it's very powerful. 
And it really expresses the point that we've been making here on the Bible Touch Network. We write today on behalf of the tens of millions of Americans we represent to urge Congress to finally address a broken and captured Supreme Court that is overturning precedents, shattering judicial norms, and consistently sliding or siding with billionaires, massive corporations, and their extreme right-wing allies over workers, families, communities, and our democracy. The revelations about ethics and corruption at the court have undermined public trust and made a mockery of the idea that every American should be treated equally under the law as a co-equal branch of government with constitutional responsibility to structure the federal courts and create law, Congress should conduct a thorough investigation and take action to restore a fair and independent judiciary. Formal congressional hearings and oversight would be a strong step forward. Congress advancing a legislative agenda that would rein in judicial corruption, protect our checks and balances, restore the rule of law, hold justices accountable, and preserve our freedoms and democracy. The letter goes on from this grassroots organization to say, this Supreme Court majority has gone too far on behalf of their donors and benefactors. Enough is enough. People across the country, including the tens of millions we represent, are increasingly disillusioned with today's biased and unfair Supreme Court. We want a Supreme Court that protects our freedom to make a good living, to breathe clean air and drink clean water, to walk through our communities without the fear of gun violence, to make our own health care decisions, and to know our kids will learn and grow at school. Congress not only has the power, but a sworn constitutional duty to bring transparency and accountability to a Supreme Court that has been captured by wealthy and well-connected special interests and to ensure equal justice under the law. That's where we are as of today. We can only hope that the leaders, the Democratic leaders in the Senate, because the House is gone, the House is, is, is full tilt MAGA. You know, if McCarthy ever thought he could run something that he could be proud of in the House and, and go down and, and, like Nancy Pelosi is one of the greatest speakers in the history of our country, it's gone, it's over. It was over the day he was barely elected on the 20th ballot. MAGA runs the House. Got to look to the Senate, which is under control of the Democrats, to do this. We've had a series of decisions. For some people that are just sort of tuning in here, what are they talking about in the letter about a Supreme Court out of control? In the last term alone, they have broadened uh, gun rights and limited the ability of local government, uh, state and local authorities, to limit sensibly uh, guns and gun ownership and gun use. So it's against responsible, reasonable gun control. And that's New York, the New York Rifle Association case at the beginning of the term. So they took on guns. You know, all those things in, in the polite cocktail parties we're not supposed to talk about, that's what the Supreme Court took on because they had the numbers this year to shove down our throats their MAGA agenda. So now reasonable gun control is out. The only gun control that's allowed in America now, after Clarence Thomas wrote the opinion, is gun control that was around at the time of the founding of this country, 17 and 1800s. If it didn't exist then, it's not going to exist now, despite the, the tremendous increase in the potency of firepower and firearms. 
and could never have been contemplated by our founding fathers or people that lived on the frontier of America in the 1800s. Reproductive rights, the Dobbs decision last May. That took away for the first time the constitutional right of a woman to make her own choice about her bodily autonomy. Right? Took away a constitutional right that had been super precedent, precedent upon precedent upon precedent that you're never supposed to touch. The Supreme Court said, you know what? Let's leave it to the states, meaning we know that two-thirds of the states are red and they're gonna get rid of abortion, so that's where we're gonna throw it. Then they moved on just this past term to, under the guise of protecting the First Amendment, instead they've ingrained, right? And they have uh, ingrained racism and bigotry into our society and given a permission slip to racism and bigotry under the guise of protecting the First Amendment. So if you're a creative professional, whatever that is, and you and you want to get money, because you know it's your job, and you want to get money for the public, before anybody that was in the business of public accommodation and wanted to get money from public people, couldn't be bigots, couldn't be racist, now you can. Under 303 Creative, the new lawsuit, the new uh, rule by the Supreme Court, you don't want to serve blacks, Jews, members of the LGBTQ plus community, you can, you can say, no, I only serve white people. And that's under the false, the false flag of the First Amendment. And then on affirmative action, or using race and recognizing racial inequality in America that continues to exist, even though we're 60 years beyond the civil rights movement, we're only 30 years beyond whites only in certain sections of the South. We're only, we're only yesterday beyond cross burnings in the South. I know to the Supreme Court, not only is justice blind, justice is blind, justice is colorblind. And we've solved our racism problem, so we no longer have to have public universities and colleges look at race at all in entering in their entering class and coming up with diversity. No longer do we need to lend a helping hand to those that are disadvantaged in our society. Because everybody has the same advantages to the Supreme Court. Doesn't everybody go on lavish jets and vacations um, around the world with their benefactors and their donors? The answer to that is no, they don't. And under the North Carolina and um, Harvard case, we now have that. So this is the out of control. I'm just listing five out of a hundred decisions in the last two years by the Supreme Court that shows that they're out of buck, run amok, that run that parallel to all of the transparency that we're now getting, not, not because they want to do it, but because investigative reporting done by the enemy of the people, the media, doing their First Amendment job of ripping the mask off these phonies on the Supreme Court and showing how they are influenced by their donors, their benefactors, right, on the Federalist Society, on the Supreme Right Wing, how they lecture at the rightest of right wings of law schools, supported by the Federalist Society, how they go away on vacations and holidays, how they do personal transactions, selling property, getting money to their benefactors in this completely hermetically sealed world of, of moneyed interests that are influencing decisions and policies at the Supreme Court. If it wasn't for, for ProPublica, would we know about, the answer is no, would we know about how, um, how rancid the ethical compass, or how cracked the ethical compass of Sam Alito and um, Clarence Thomas are. 
when we know about Sam Alito's wife having oil and gas uh, contracts on her Oklahoma property, like some sort of there will be blood episode, while her husband is ruling against environmental protection policies. Sorry, Sam, I didn't know your, your wife was a robber baron, your wife was an oil mogul, while you're the rest of us have to drink from water supply that's now polluted because you refused and have completely gutted the Clean Water Act, or that there was people who were in front of you, right, business before the court, on cases that you decided that you vacationed with in Alaska, right, for a week in some, you know, glamping, some sort of glamping, you know, a private chef, you know, fret, uh, luxury linens, uh, type of environment at some uh, exclusive lodge in Alaska. Sorry, the rest of us aren't able to do that. This is the corruption that the uh, United for Democracy is talking about in their letter. What we hope here on the Midas Touch Network is that the groundswell of rising up by grassroots 